Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Have a good show, gentlemen. Good evening, everybody out there. And like I said, man, welcome to another great episode of the NGSC West Recess. It's been a really tough seven days, though, on my part, Word. because... I've I've been without you guys, and this, like, really, really sucks. But I'm glad that we're all back here together again, and we get to have ourselves another one-hour voyage. So all is well over here in our world. And that's what we do. We fight the West Coast bias one show at a time. And we also have a lot of fun while we do that. Even though our teams are the most underrepresented of the lot, our games start super late at night, and those of you on the East and the Central, it's hard for you to keep up. I don't even know how Josh stays up half the time, but I guess he's used to this kind of thing, <laughs> you know. But anyway, as I've said, fighting that West Coast bias is never a one-man operation, and so I'm going to go ahead and produce to you the two men that I do trust in this operation, my co-host, my main man, Josh Matson, and my update guy, Z. How are you guys doing tonight? I am doing, I'm doing good. Um, how are you doing today, Jerome? Oh, I'm doing excellent, Josh. As you know, I am Raider Rome, my little brother's big brother, last king of Raider Nation, and the sports butler in Raider, in Raider Rome. So I'm doing great as long as I get to have all four of those titles, kind of like what Apollo Creed did in Rocky Four. So, yeah, I'm always doing great when I've got my multitude of names flowing. You feel me? I feel you. <laughs> sure do. What's going on on your end, Z? Not a whole lot. Nah. The, uh the wonderful headaches of children and starting school. Oh, man. I, f- I feel for you. I mean, I, I ain't gotten no crumb snatchers myself yet, but I'm sure that's coming soon. So pretty soon I guess I'll be partaking of what you're taking in, but I, guess I ain't there yet, though. So better you than me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Josh. Oh, go ahead, Z. I'm sorry. No, I said just enjoy your time. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Yeah, so, Josh. What do you think of Coach Drunko, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, making a complete ass of himself on, on at that um, USC luncheon thing Saturday? Oh, it's bad. Uh, because USC seems to have all these <laughs> type of things that happen all the time. And the biggest leader of the team, their coach, is drunk and high on pills at the <laughs> same time. So it's really bad for USC and... Um, people, he got caught getting yelled at by, uh, what's his name, Hayden, I think it was, I don't know, yeah, Pat Hayden, so, it's bad, I mean, it's bad, and he admits that he might have a problem with alcohol, and, and hopefully he gets help for it, I mean, I don't know what else to say, Uh, it's, it's just bad. Yeah, it's a really crazy situation, I haven't got to see the videotape myself, but it sounds like he had some really, really weird stuff going on. Uh, he was just totally lit on, on them pills and whatever the hell it was he was drinking. I mean, I try not to be too hard on the guy. Cause, I, mean, I know how hard it is coaching at USC. I mean, you can't beat my UCLA Bruins. Jim Mora owns you. So I guess in a way I can kind of understand why you're sitting there pounding pills um, every day to trying to find a way to beat that guy, and it's just not happening for you. I mean, UCLA owns the town. So, I mean, if I was him, I'd probably be pounding um, Jack and pills myself, but that's another story. Hey, let me read one thing that he said when he was drunk on, on stage. Um, he said, 
<laughs> At one point during the speech, Sarkeesian talked about USC's difficult schedule this season, including trips to Arizona State, Notre Dame, and Oregon, and he <laughs> he said, they all suck. <laughs> that was his comment when he was asked about them. They all suck. <laughs> he was so drunk. <laughs> yeah, that guy had to be hammered to say that. Oregon has owned you over the last few years. Arizona State has even owned you over the last few years. Arizona was a missed field goal away from defeating you last year. So if these guys suck, I'd hate to see what the state of USC's program is right now. So, I mean, that's crazy to me. They better go on and get that stuff together because you're supposed to be a top-10 team with these eyes on playing on a playoff. And this is not starting your um, season off on the right foot with a coach who thinks everyone else sucks and everyone else has the problem except him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> That's crazy. Every Oregon and U.S. and Arizona suck. What the hell is wrong with this <laughs> he guy? Also, yeah, he also dropped the F-bomb a couple times during his speech. <laughs> which is, I, I'm sure he said <laughs> that when referring to the UCLA Bruins. It wouldn't shock me. Um, actually, he mentioned it, I think, when he was talking about Oregon. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, um, yeah. Screw <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. Screw Oregon. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're sorry for that. Yeah, well, we apologize immensely. But I did catch myself, so on the playback, it won't sound too bad. All right. So what's our next topic for the day, Jerome? All right, moving on here. We got injuries in the league this season. I mean, last week, we got Marquise Pouncey breaking a bone in his um, ankle in that game. Although he should be back some point this season. So, But Pittsburgh, I mean, they're kind of used to playing without Pouncey anyway because he does get injured um, a lot. He was hurt last year, too, for a little bit. So Pittsburgh, they'll be all right. They'll be used to it. Although, but this Green Bay thing, though, this is a huge blow for them. Not having Jordy Nelson for the season tearing his ACL. I mean, this this was kind of a cut and dry play to me. Anytime I see somebody fall down with no contact, I immediately think ACL. And the TV broadcast was actually sitting there talking about an ankle. I mean, it's like, what are y'all staring at? So, well, what's your take on these injuries so far, Josh? I just think it's bad that. Well, I mean. These players have to play in preseason a little bit to get some, you know, work done, and and the coaches can see their progress throughout the off season. But it's just sad that people like Jordy Nelson are getting hurt and out for the year. I mean, everyone wants to see him play, and especially fantasy players who've already drafted way before it happened. But talk about fantasy and injuries is kind of, you know, not a good idea. But the point being is, it's not it's not good for the NFL to have players like Nelson and Pouncey, and and there's been a ton of others that have been injured, lesser-named guys that we I probably don't, I couldn't, you know, mention them all, but it's just not good for the league to have so many injuries in preseason. Well, if it was up to me, I'd actually cut it down to three games myself because I think, sure, you do need these games for evaluation purposes, so the first two games could be for that because that's what it's been for historically anyway then that third game could be your dress rehearsal for the season because you use that anyway. So basically what we've been looking at over the last few years is a situation where the fourth preseason game has just been completely pointless like it's always been. It's kind of like um, a game where you just throw everybody out there that you know is going to get cut anyway. Only one or two players who play in that game make the team anyway. So, yeah, you got to cut it down to three. Everybody's still happy. You still make money, and you still have your evaluation time. Yeah, um, I agree. I think they should cut it down. But you know, the fact that we need to 
you know, mention is <laughs> the NFL is making a ton of money by people watching four preseason games a year. So I don't think the NFL is going to lower because that's money for them that they lose. So. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, the NFL, ain't they having to do with money they're not going to get rid of. So I guess we just have to deal with it. I mean, knock on wood, so far everything's gone well for Oakland, though. I mean, they've been pretty healthy so far in the camp, save for Andre Holmes breaking his hand. I'm going to knock on wood, though, because there's still two games left and anything could happen. And I'm really looking forward to this big game we got Sunday with Arizona. So that's really going to tell a tale about what the Raiders are going to be about this season. And I guess we can go on and get into our preseason um, week two recaps here. Did you get to see any of that game between um, Denver and Houston Saturday? I got to see a little bit of it. Yeah, um, uh, Manning didn't play that good. He he just you know he looked average to me. And and I heard, read recently that apparently he has numbness in his fingers. I guess he's had that for quite a while. So that's kind of interesting news. Um, Osweiler played pretty good. I mean, he actually he didn't complete over half his passes, but he he hit uh, Andre Caldwell for a big touchdown in the second quarter. So that was kind of cool. Hillman ran really well. He was um, he got I think eight carries and had over fifty yards. Uh, the yeah. the guy who was most impressive for Denver was probably um, Andre Caldwell or Hillman as far as offensively. Anyway, so what were your opinions on the game? Uh, it looks like Ronnie Hillman is making a case. I mean, he's already moved up to number two on the depth chart so far, and I don't think he has enough time to chase down C.J. Anderson. But the way he's running, he's definitely making a case. So, wow. I mean, this is the kind of guy that Denver thought they were getting out of San Diego State when they drafted him, and he's finally starting to show some flashes of figure out some things. Now, if I'm Monty Ball, I'm kind of in danger of not making this team now. So, yeah. you better go on and get things together. Yeah, as far Monty, as Peyton with the dumb fingers, hey, this is looking like this may be um, you stay one year too late. I mean, if you got numbers in your fingers, something's going on with your nerves, so they better go on and get that figured out. And Houston, sure. Um, my other thing is, when do we get to see Jadavian Clowney? Because, I mean, this guy, he's just starting to look more and more like a bust every week he doesn't play. Although I know he did finally start to get back to working out this week. I actually got to watch um, a little bit of that hard knocks. So he's looking like he's going to be ready for week one. And Houston, they're going to need him to big time. Because it's starting to look more and more like Khalil Mack was the guy that they should have picked up in that draft. Yeah. Uh, as far as Houston go, I was most impressed probably, probably with um, Todd Savage. He he was he was good. He looked good. Um, but I think Ryan Mallet obviously is. Well, I don't really know who the starter is going to be. I guess it's going to be Mallet. But um, uh, Brian, they already gave Brian Hoyer the job um, over there. Okay, so there you go. Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter. <laughs> but anyway, Savage looked good. So he might be the future of Houston eventually down the road. Oh, yeah. I, I can see Tom Savage being their guy in the future. Because, I mean, I don't think Hoyer or Mallet are long-term solutions for any team. So, Savage just continue to play in the preseason and continue to gain that experience. Say two, three years down the road, he'll be the man ready to take the reins for that Houston team. Yeah, They're kind of like I Buffalo. They just need a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Did I say Todd Savage? I meant Tom. Whatever. <laughs> I thought you did say Tom. I bet. Uh, I don't know what I said anymore. But, anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh Denver looked okay, and Houston looked okay too. It was, it was, you know, preseason games aren't exactly exciting or yeah, kind of yeah, kind of a sloppy <laughs> kind of deal. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. The next up, we got my Oakland Raiders going to Minnesota, taking on the Vikings, and 
both young quarterbacks actually played pretty well in this game. I mean, Derek Carr, he had the rainbow to Amari Cooper for 40 yards. And I tell you, every time I see that connection, I can't wait to see it again and again. As a Raider fan, it makes you happy because you finally got that number one receiver and that number one quarterback. I mean, I don't even think Darius Edward Bay caught a pass his whole first preseason. So, yeah, I'm actually kind of encouraged by what we got going on here. Then Teddy Bridgewater, not to be outdone, he threw a perfect pass to um, Charles Johnson to get the touchdown, giving Minnesota a 7-6 to lead after Latavius Murray gave the Raiders a 6 nothing lead. Then after that, there was like this big lightning storm that kind of delayed the game for about an hour. And after that, it, it was just kind of just whatever. I mean, Christian Ponder played well in spurts, but he's not a guy that I really think could um, help this team, say if anything did happen to Carr, God forbid. I'm, I'm not really – I wouldn't be too confident with that. And Matt McGloin, a guy who, who I think I'm a chap, probably the biggest Raider champion of, he comes in and he throws an interception that kind of killed any chance of the Raiders winning the game. Minnesota wins 20-12. to 12. Your thoughts on this game, Josh? Um, sloppy. <laughs> uh, the rainstorm kind of interfered, or the thunderstorm, too. Kind of, I think that dulls the game altogether anyways. But Bridgewater was impressive, and but I think he's been impressive since last year anyways as a, as a rookie. And, you know, Carr only completed 50% of his passes, but he wasn't. He wasn't bad or anything like that. And Murray got a touchdown run, which is nice. Um, Cooper had one one big catch for 40 yards. So, you know, the guys that you want to see as an Oakland fan were involved, which is good. Um, Trent Richardson looked like do, but (laughs) um, (laughs) other than that, you know, uh, I would say Minnesota, as far as what I saw from Minnesota, their running game was terrible, if you, if you ask me. I mean, uh, it looked bad, but they didn't have Adrian Peterson out there, so it kind of, you know, uh, I'm sure it would have been a little bit different. Other than that, I don't really have much more to say about that game other than it was kind of sloppy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, the, with the way they were running, it's kind of two schools of thought. I mean, Oakland does have a lot of beef in the middle of their line now with Jelly Ellis and Dan Williams. And also, Adrian Peterson didn't play. So, I mean, it's kind of hard. I'll give that that an incomplete because it's really hard to tell. I mean, we'll find out more about that November 15th when Minnesota comes out here. But that's neither here nor there. That's a later discussion for a later time. Yes, sir. Yeah, the next up here we got um, San Diego and Arizona. I didn't get to see too much of this game. I know Carson Palmer threw a touchdown pass to John Brown. Phillip Rivers didn't play much, if at all. But... Yeah, Arizona, their first team still continues to look impressive, but they can't seem to close the deal with some of their younger players, and they fall short again, 22-19 to to San Diego. You, did you get to check any of that out? Yeah, I saw a little bit of the game. Uh, San Diego had quarterbacks out there. You know, Brad Sorensen, a guy I had never even heard of, to be honest with you, and then they had Clemens. Uh, Sorensen was pretty terrible, actually. If you ask me, he only completed under 50% of his passes through an interception. Palmer threw a touchdown pass to John Brown, which is a nice touchdown. Um, I think that guy's going to be a guy to watch, John Brown. I, I like what I see from him. He, he He's a little bit, you know, a little speedy little guy. And as far as San Diego overall, they weren't impressive anywhere, I don't think, in this game, <laughs> to be honest. And their run game was pretty terrible. Um, other uh, it was than that, a little disappointing that we didn't get to take a look at Melvin Gordon again Saturday. I really yeah. want to see what he could do with extended carries. So I really hope that he actually gets on the field against the Seattle Seahawks Saturday and can actually make some things happen. Because, you know, these Wisconsin running backs, they always get a bad rap. 
And for some reason, I've always, like, watched Melvin Gordon closely. I don't know what it is. So I hope he does perform well just to get that stigma off of the Wisconsin running backs. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I don't have any much more to say about this game. I mean, there, it was, you know, uh, San Diego didn't seem like they really cared about the game, but they, they did win, which is the funny part about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you get a win, you get a win. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Then next up, we got Seattle against Kansas City. This was a boring game, just to say the <laughs> least. I mean, hey, Alex Smith did throw a touchdown pass, though, to Bobby Wagner. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> So, I mean, that gave Seattle a short lead. I mean, this game was kind of like all the others. It just basically after the first quarter, it sucked. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't get much done, and Jamal Charles actually did play a little bit, but not enough to make enough of an impact. Kansas City beat Seattle 14-13. to Did you get to watch that one? Hey, you know what we can talk about, though, is Alex Smith actually threw a touchdown to a receiver in this game, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, he threw uh, one to Bobby Wagner also. He threw, <laughs> yeah. uh, he threw one to Jeremy Macklin in, in the second quarter as well. So. Well, it was like I said last week, Josh. <laughs> my money is on, on Jeremy Macklin to break that uh, wide receiver streak. Yeah, he's getting it done in the preseason. Hey, you know it's coming very early in the season. It may not be against Houston, though, in week one, but look for it in week two, though. The Kansas City to a wide receiver. Yeah, you know, I'm not impressed with either of these teams' offenses so far from what I've seen. Nothing nothing stands out. And it looks like, to me, Kansas City has a little bit of offensive line issues, too. So, Well, being that I'm a Raider fan, I'm pretty happy about the fact that they have offensive line issues. Because, I mean, we got that defensive line that could actually cause some trouble for them. But, yeah. you know, we got issues of our own also. DJ Hayden, that guy, he seems to get worse and worse every time he plays. I mean, you could probably play corner better than him, Josh. It's ridiculous. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> maybe maybe Arrington um, could do it, Kyle Arrington. <laughs> yeah. Well, is he still, is he, he's still on New England, right? No, he's in. Um, luckily, he's in. Uh, Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, then our last game here, we got um, the St. Louis Rams taking on the Tennessee Titans. And St. Louis, they, they're looking just bad in the preseason. You think maybe because of the first game, you think the Raiders just come out and they be pumped up. No, St. Louis is just bad. You got Nick Foles throwing pick sixes to Parrish Cox to get it started. Marcus Mariota actually played pretty well in this game, too. He had a touchdown pass that was dropped by Dexter McCluster, and that would have really helped matters there. But for the most part, Tennessee did dominate this game. So Mariota, he's looking good. St. Louis, they're looking like a team without a pulse. Maybe things will change when they get back Todd Gurley to start the season. But that defense, it's not really looking like what we expected. So your take from this game, um, Justin? Um. Nick Foles didn't look good. He, like you said, he threw an t- interception for a touchdown to Parrish Cox from Oklahoma State. Um, other than that, what, what impressed me is there was a guy named Chase Kaufman in that game, tight end, who, who had two big catches for touchdowns for Tennessee. Other than that, the game was – St. Louis doesn't look good. <laughs> they don't look good to me, and I – I don't know if I'm on that bandwagon anymore that they could compete for a playoff spot in the NFC West anyways, or a wild card spot. Yeah, I try not to read too much in the preseason, but yeah, St. Louis, they better get off of their asses real quick because they're looking horrible. 
they, they just don't have any offensive flow. And I think that's the issue. And I, Foles is supposed to be that guy that changes around, but I don't. When he was on the field, I didn't see anything like that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it looks like he, they had the tempo in Philadelphia with Foles, but so far in St. Louis, they don't have it. So hopefully, maybe they they just have some cards that they're not showing in the preseason, or their tempo is just way too slow right now. Yeah. And we have one more. Not, oh, go ahead, Jackson. Sorry. Okay, I thought you were going to skip one game when you said it was our last one. So Yeah, uh, last one. but not least, now, the Jared Hayne uh, mania continues with Dallas and San Francisco. Once again, Dallas, they seem to just not really be caring about preseason right now. A lot of players didn't play in this game, again, as usual. I mean, Gus Johnson did get to get in the game again. I still remember that guy because he got me some DraftKings points last week. But other than that, Dallas, they're not going to put anybody out there on that field because, I mean, Levi Stadium, that field is a complete dumpster fire. And San Francisco, they went out there and they took advantage of it. You know, Kaepernick actually looked a lot better than he did the week before. But the big story, again, was Jared Haynes getting a huge punt return, and he's looking more and more like a guy that's going to make the 49ers. And although they dominated Dallas, I wouldn't read too much into this because it seemed, it seemed like another throwaway match for Dallas. But big kudos to Jared Haynes. 49ers win 23-6. to Your thoughts, Josh? I was, yeah, Jared Haynes, the story of San Francisco, and uh, for some people who may not know, he was an Australian rugby player before. Going to the 49ers, but there's another important thing that happened in that game for the 49ers, and that was Navarro Bowman came back finally from uh, and played. And actually on the first play, he got right involved, and uh, Dallas tried running right at him and didn't work out for them very well. So it's cool uh, for him to be back for San Francisco because he hasn't played since 2014 NFC Championship games. So. And San Francisco's past... Offense still looks pretty terrible, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, that's saying a lot because they looked completely anemic against Houston last week. They actually looked uh, markedly better against Dallas, and they didn't even look that great against Dallas. But uh, I guess they're starting to get things together. They're starting to figure it out. I mean, we're only halfway through this thing. We've still got two more games um, left to go in the preseason. I'm just glad that the dress rehearsals are this week and we actually get to see some semblance of real football for longer than a quarter or a quarter and a half, you know? Yep. And – that was our West Coast preseason beat and our news and notes beat. And now you know what time it is. It's update time with our main man, Z. How you feeling over there, Z? Not a whole lot. Uh, baseball world's pretty quiet tonight. Dodgers beat the Reds earlier. The Rockies beat the Braves. Uh, Padres beat the Nationals 6-5. to five. Washington's continuing their tailspin. Yes. Which is kind of surprising, but uh, Seattle beat Oakland, and those Houston Astros beat the Yankees. I know Sandman oh. can't be too happy about that. Two back-to-back dominating performances by Houston. Yeah, I McHugh mean, was definitely on tonight. As far as live games go, we got two ties right now. Chicago and San Francisco are knotted up at two in the bottom of the fourth. Cardinals and Diamondbacks are knotted up at one in the top of the seventh. And this game is pretty much final. It's bottom of the ninth with two outs. Toronto 12, Texas 4. Wow, Toronto looking like they're about to go up two games over there in the um, American League East, huh? Yeah. Um, the big news story of the day is Derek Rose. I don't know if you guys heard this or not. 
he is being accused of gang raping his ex-girlfriend and drugging her. They allegedly dated for two years. Uh, They invited her over. They drugged her. She got out. They allegedly broke into her apartment, and all three of them basically had their way with her from there. Uh, Seems kind of sketchy and fishy, but it's out there, and that's all that we know about it. So. Uh, you got to be careful when you're a professional athlete. I mean, you get a, there's all allegations like this all the time. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And, I mean, I hope he didn't do this because he's a great athlete. He's been a pretty big pillar in the community. So I hope he didn't yeah. get caught up in nothing like this. Yeah, it would definitely be a huge black eye for the Bulls. But see how it goes. Yep. All right. Thank you for your update this week, Z. And we'll see you at 50 after if you're still up over there. We'll see. Depends on if oh. Sandman puts me to sleep or not. <laughs> well, we got the Sandman, but he usually doesn't put people to sleep, though. He's a pretty exciting, rambunctious kind of guy. So I think he'll bring that same excitement to, to the table tonight, hopefully. Yep, we shall see. And that was our 20 um, update with Z. And hope he gave you some good information there as far as your baseball goes. And we'll see what else he's got later on. And before we move on to Derrick Rose, while we're talking about rapes and sexual assault, a couple of for, a couple of 49ers have actually been kind of um, caught up in that web also. We got Ray McDonald and Ahmad Brooks actually being um, implicated in rape cases. Did you hear about this, Josh? Yes, I did hear about it. And every time I hear about this stuff with these professional athletes, it just makes me think of entitled guys who think they have the right to do whatever they want and usually it gets brushed under the rug like it's some no big deal because they're professional athletes who make a ton of money. Hopefully what happened with Derek Rose is not true, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say anything about it because I don't really know the details other than what what he's being accused of at the moment until they actually say you're going to court to face these charges. I guess it's just allegations at this point. Yeah, as basically as, that's what we was looking at. It. He says he says situation, yeah. and as far as Ray McDonald goes, I mean, all last year I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt with his off the field issues that he was having, but it's looking like the walls are starting to close in on that guy. And at the very least, his football career is over. And Ahmad Brooks, I mean, he's a guy that's been playing games for the Forty ers and for him to be implicated in something like this, I guess a bad off season just continues to get worse for San Francisco. So. You know, these guys, they're athletes. I mean, you know the risk when you lie down with these women. you got to be really, really careful with what you do. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Just get you one woman and, and just be happy with her. Because, I mean, when you try to be a player and all that, you get situations like this, and it's not good. Yeah, there's something wrong in San Francisco with the – I don't know if it's something to do with – it seems like a toxic atmosphere is in San Francisco right now. Like, you got players – decide they don't want to play anymore and and some with legitimate reasons and some no one really knows why other than they just decide they don't want to play anymore there's got to be more going on behind the scenes that we don't even know about and you got a bunch of stories like people alden smith then you got two rapes and then it's it's toxic there right now and it's not it's a bad situation and then you got the coach change and it's just all looks really bad for the 49ers right now 
Yeah, it is not a good look, especially if they lose Ahmad Brooks. I mean, outside of Navarro Bowman, I mean, really, who's, who's there that, that from last year that can play decent defense? I mean, it's crazy, and Bowman didn't even play last year, so you don't even know how he's going to respond from his knee injury. I mean, this is crazy. This is looking more and more like a 4-12, and 3-13 and 13 team just because of the mental state of, the, of these players. Yeah, it's a bad situation, for sure. Yeah, then in Chicago, it seems like every time they're ready to make a run at a championship, they get snake-bitten also. Now you have Derrick Rose with the rape situation. I mean, I hope he didn't do this, but it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of what happened with Kobe Bryant. Sure, I mean, you're going to probably be able to fight through it. you play your games and things like that. But eventually that starts to take a toll. And I think what happened with Kobe Bryant in 2004, he just started to break down at the end. I mean, Detroit was a great defense, but everything that just happened that season it just started to weigh down on them. So I think the farther Chicago gets, if they don't settle this quickly, it's going to start to weigh on Derrick Rose's mind, and Chicago's not going to be able to compete with Cleveland or Atlanta in that East, and Mr. LeBron James or whoever is going to run away with the stag again and be in the finals. Oh, God, if the Bulls don't have Derrick Rose next year, it's, uh, they're not going to be good. I don't – they won't be – they'll just – they'll struggle for sure. Speaking of basketball, since we're there, we should probably talk about the Clippers being fine, one of – one of the bigger finds in NBA history for their negotiations with uh, DeAndre Jordan for two. They were fined two hundred fifty thousand, and uh, they were fined not because a lot of people think it's because of the them stealing him from Dallas, and that's not actually why it was fined. It was fined because when they negotiated with him, they offered a third party endorsement, which is a, a violation of the collective bargaining agreement, and. And the it, the endorsement didn't, or the third party endorsement didn't affect him his decision to f- go back to the Clippers, but it's a violation, and that's why they were f- hit so hard for doing um, negotiating the endorsement. Well, what it does is, Josh, it actually kind of prevents conflict of interest from taking place. Because let's yeah. say I'm a free agent, right, and I'm going, I'm meeting with the New York Knicks, say. And you could give me a lesser contract, but you offering me all this stock in cable vision that James Dolan owes, owns, and I'm making money that way while helping you with the yeah. salary cap. So basically, the Clippers just got fined because if you are a lot, if you are offering third-party deals, it could start to circumvent deals in the NBA, and I'm sure they don't want that. It would be a black eye, not a good look. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And that was more of our news and notes segment. And now it's time for me to introduce a guy to you. He was on here a few weeks ago, and he's one of our more smart um, uh, chatters. He's a good guy, and I enjoy having him on this program. I mean, he's a faithful listener, and he always gives us good stuff. They call him the Sandman, but he's never put me to sleep on this show. He's actually woken me up and reinvigorated me from time to time. So without further ado, I'd like for all of you to say hello to my main man, the Sandman. What's going on over there, Sand? How are you tonight, Jerome? How are you, Josh? Good, after, uh, good evening. I'm doing oh, good. man, I'm doing great. If I was doing any better, you'd probably be looking at a newspaper and seeing Oakland at the top of the division or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all live in fantasy land sometimes. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I haven't played Madden yet, but if I picked up a copy of it, yeah, you would actually see that. <laughs> no, I actually think they have some hope this season. I really do. I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could be a surprise team. So, I think as a Raider fan for the first time in a long time, you have something to look forward to. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, it's always good. Opening day always does bring new optimism. Only problem is, in our case, that optimism is probably thrown out the window probably an hour in the game one. I just hope it's not the case this season. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, football, of all the sports, it's really kind of the hardest to predict because, uh, you know, there's so many injuries that go on in the sport uh, that, you really can't predict what team's going to hit the hardest, and you know that occasional NFL team that really stays relatively healthy. You know, you just can't know what team it's going to happen to. And if the Raiders can keep some of their prime players healthy for the season, hey, look, you can make a run. I mean, the division's there for the taking right now. I mean, I still think Denver is the top dog in the West, but I don't think their uh, their hold on is that strong. Well, yeah, I mean, if Peyton Manning um, is having issues with his fingers and this starts to turn into a nerve issue that could affect him going into the season, hey, this division does completely become up for grabs at that point. Yeah, I mean, but I think this is a problem that Peyton Manning has had for years that, you know, that's just, you know, being talked about a little bit more right now. But he's had this issue with the numbness in the fingers, and that's relative to the surgery he had and the, the, the issues with the nerve damage or the nerve impingements he's had in his, in, his, in his cervical spine. So that's something he's learned to deal with and still be very productive. Oh, okay, then. So it's, it's nothing new then, nothing, for, nothing to really cause alarm then, say. No, nah, he's been through, what, four neck surgeries in his life already? Well, yeah, if you have that many, of course you're going to start to lose some feeling somewhere, so whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, you have that many, be happy that you're able to function. <laughs> Uh, yeah, That's no I look at. But you know, Pey- Peyton doesn't get enough credit for being the tough guy. I think he, uh, he, you know, he's got a lot of dedication. We all know that, um, and I think he's he's a lot tougher than people give him credit for for what he's been able to do and come back from. Yeah, yeah, he's a tough guy. I, I'm just kind of pissed that he's in my division because for a while, Peyton Manning did used to be my favorite player when he was an Indianapolis Colt. And I was probably very more, more happy for him when he won the title than anybody else. But, yeah, now he's the enemy. So, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Khalil Mack get a hold of him and rip him to shreds, but that's just me. <laughs> you know, his career is winding down. You know, for, for Peyton, it's either this year or next year. It's one or two more years left for him, and he's off into the sunset. So, you know, you got a young quarterback in car, and the division could be for a take in there. Because, I mean, you know, Rivers is getting older, you know, and I'm not an Alex Smith guy. So, the, the, I think if you look at that division, the, the brightest future quarterback-wise is, is in Oakland. Got to like that. You got anything you want to add to this um, Peyton Manning discussion over there, Josh? Well, I think he. I, I think this is last year, no matter what happens. So, but you know, I, I wonder how. <laughs> I wonder how long he. It's going to take him to realize he. I don't know. He he hasn't looked at, like the Peyton Man of old for sure, and last last year, anyways, but. I just don't. I don't feel like after this year he'll be playing again. I think this is last year. I'll have to well, agree with you know, there, Judge. I think. I think. I think it's his last ride. Uh, go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. I think that it's possible it's his last ride, but but Peyton has a real desire to keep playing. And uh, look, I mean, you can blame a lot of things on last year. I mean, most of their offensive line went down last year, and uh, if you're a quarterback that's a pocket passer. In, in today's game, and you don't have an offensive line, I don't care who you are, you're not going to be able to do much. Mm-hmm. Good points there, San. So I guess we could talk about your team a little bit. Looks like the ACL bug got you guys too with your boy Orlando Scantrick tearing his ACL. So how does that kind of change what Dallas wants to do defensively now? 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation that Skandrick was, for a good portion of his career, was playing more slot, you know, he was playing more nickel corner. But he started to play outside a lot more last year. So, and, he, and I'll say he was probably the he was the best corner on the Dallas Cowboys last season. You know, they got Jones coming in, the rookie who's looked he's looked good in camp. Uh, he's going to have a bigger burden on him right off the bat now, and he's going to have to produce up front. I, I think Carr is a decent corner. Um, I like the safeties in Dallas, so it's going to be it's so that's a depth thing. You know, they they lost a, an important player. They can't afford to lose another one now in the secondary. I think you can cover for it now, but any more injuries to the secondary, you're in trouble. And maybe even the kid Claiborne stepping up this year. You know, if you know, if, I don't know where he really is on the depth chart with them right now. But uh, you know, two years ago he was a savior, and now you know he's garbage at the time. Yeah, I mean Claiborne. I mean that's got to be a very disappointing guy. I mean Dallas, they moved all the way up to get him, and he was supposed to be the next assistant cornerback. I mean I know that's got to be frustrating on your end also as a fan. Uh, it's frustrating when you saw what you saw out of his rookie season. You know, and you know the guys are going to struggle a little bit as a rookie at that position because you're being put out on an island more than any other position in the NFL is the cornerback position. And he did pretty well as a rookie, so you, you thought that good things were going to come from it. And it was just, you know, injury after injury. And I'm even understanding his shoulder isn't fully healed. Well, I hope he gets that together because you guys are going to seriously need some cornerback help. And Kayla from Pennsylvania has a question here for you. She wants to know what your opinion is on Michael Vick signing with the Steelers. Seems like there's a lot of backlash about that. There's been a petition circulated. I say just let the guy play football, but how do you feel about this, Sand? Um, you know, I don't think he has any effect on the team. You know, it's Big Ben's team. We all know that. Big Ben's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I don't think Vick has any – impact on them on the field uh, as far as i'm concerned if i live in pittsburgh i'd be real careful walking my dog <laughs> your dog josh <laughs> i mean you're a dog lover yourself so I, well, where are you at on this one josh <laughs> oh well the thing is obviously his issue with the dog is a big deal to many people including myself but that's really not Okay, so they signed him because Landry Jones is terrible. So they needed a backup in case, you know, God forbid, Big Ben does get hurt. They apparently think he's the best option out there. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought he was done last year. He, Out of all the quarterbacks last season who played, who threw over 100 passes, he had the lowest completion percentage. He only completed 52%. So... They're getting a guy who seems to be on the decline, but he's probably still better than what they had in Landry Jones. So it's you know they needed somebody, so they definitely you know they got a guy. Yeah, well, the good thing is, I mean, they did get themselves a quarterback that can actually defend himself. Because Vic does yeah. still have a little bit of his wheels out there, even at the age of 35, he can still move around a little bit. Landry Jones, I'm not sure if he could do that. Roethlisberger, I mean, he's just a big guy, so he naturally is going to be elusive from time to time. So Pittsburgh, they needed to um, have another player that could do that just in case anything did happen to Ben. So smart move, I think, on their part. Yeah, but I would also say to you that if you're going to your backup quarterback in the NFL, in almost, and, and there's always the exception to the rule, if you have to go to that quarterback, your season's probably done. Yeah, uh, good point there. I don't, I don't personally say anything happened in the Big Ben myself, though, saying, but you know, you just, just I'm prepared just in case, you know. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I just don't – I don't like the move in the sense that I just kind of 
I am very appalled by what he did. Now, I do believe in second chances. I just I don't want to bring that to my team. I don't want to bring that attention to my team. There's enough distractions uh, on an NFL football field for, for, for guys you know, on your team. You, know, you don't have perfect locker rooms. Like you said, you have guys in the Niners raping here and that, people committing crimes, smoking marijuana. You have enough distractions. Why bring one in that you know is a distraction? Mm. I guess Pittsburgh didn't think they could find anything better. I mean, I guess, though, I mean, I've, I've watched Matt Schaub. I remember when he came in last season to be our quarterback. The guy can't move anymore. I mean, when you watch him with Baltimore, he's like a statue, and there's really not much out there. So, I mean, I guess um, it's just a shot in the dark where Pittsburgh is just going to try to see what the guy has. And hopefully he doesn't even have to get on the field to play for you. The best-case scenario is you actually have to while You start to forget that Michael Vick is even there, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think he has any impact on the field. Personally, I don't. I think it's it's one of those name signings. You know, everybody knows who he is. I just think it doesn't have any impact on whether the Steelers are going to the playoffs or whether they're going to have success in the playoffs. I don't think it means anything to them. Well, it shouldn't mean anything. But I mean, the fans—they seem to have a large backlash about it. But yeah, that—that was—that's—that was our Michael Vick take, Kayla. And I'm glad we we got to answer your question. I hope we got to—we um, broke it down for you in pretty good terms there. And now to, to your pure journalistic dynamite here, Sand, uh, the man that will not be named on this program, number twelve. What do you got for us as far as his situation? Well, obviously this week things are a little calm down with the Tom Brady situation and Deflategate, as uh, we well know that name. It's the most popular thing all over the country right now, Tom Brady, Deflategate, the Patriots. You know, you're going to get a lot more information uh, at the beginning of next week when uh, we find out once and for all if they're going to have a settlement and then what Judge Berman does after that and how he rules and how long he takes. And... You know, the, the problem with this situation is uh, is there's so many twists and turns to the case, and, and I think people kind of miss sometimes, you know, why certain things take place. You know, why did this happen? Why did all of a sudden, you know, this issue came up in the AFC Championship game with the deflation of footballs? I mean, if you think logically about this and think a little bit about a couple of things from 2007, we can think about that we know that Tom Brady was the quarterback that orchestrated the movement uh, to change the rules for ball preparation, for quarterbacks to have more control of their footballs in preparation for game day. We know that with him was Peyton Manning and Jake Plummer who supported him in that, in that, that rule change, which he did get changed. So one thing that bothers me most about his press conference, his testimony, is for him to state he has no clue about how balls are prepared. I mean, you tell me, does that make any sense? It makes no. Okay, you got to look back at the flake, the flake gate. You got to look back at 2007 and Spygate. What? Where does Spygate play into this investigation? Well, you you look back at 2007 and what the league did in Spygate. Okay, they took a first round draft pick away from the Patriots. They fined Belichick 500 grand. They fined the Patriots 250 grand. All right, and for a long time during that investigation, people believed and were told that Belichick was going to be suspended. And please remember, they negotiated something into that deal that is not well known, and that is that Bill Belichick signed a piece of paper stating that if he was caught cheating again, he would accept a lifetime ban. And he did that to, try to get them not to suspend him this time around, almost like give me another chance and, hey, you know what, you, if, you, if I screw up again, you'll suspend me for life. The NFL in that situation, please remember, Roger Goodall destroyed 
all the evidence. We all know that he did this because most believe that there was so much evidence against the Patriots, and, and including more than just taping sidelines, that the league actually was worried about a massive billion-dollar lawsuit that would have taken place if people had found out these games were rigged. You think about how that would have affected Las Vegas, people who put bets in. That's a big deal. And for the other owners in the league, if you think about it, it reflects badly on them and their teams. And, and for the other owners, they kind of all felt like the Patriots were let off easy in 2007. So now you have this situation come up with the Flategate, right? And you, you think the owners are going to be a, a little bit more angry, all right? Well, what really led us to the Flategate? You know, do, do you think that other footballs deflate fo- other? Sorry, excuse me, other quarterbacks deflate footballs? I think there's no doubt we could assume that Tom Brady is not the only player that does that. Do you agree with me there? You think other guys are doing it, Mamba? Oh, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with you there, Sam. I mean, everybody's doctoring footballs in some way. I mean, the, only, the reason I think this is a big issue for the New England Patriots is they've been caught doing things before that have been, that have been kind of out of whack. And if there is some kind of, say, as you said, some kind of um, potential lawsuit that could have taken place from games being fixed, I mean, I, as an Oakland Raider fan, I'm actually pissed off at this myself because, I mean, how do you actually circumvent at the end of a football game potentially to take a championship um, shot away from my football team? I mean, it's hard to say. Nobody knows if Oakland would have beat Pittsburgh in the AFC championship. But if, if, the, if you made the right call, we would have at least been given that chance. So I, that's why I hate the New England Patriots, the whole syndicate, um, for what I do believe was a ripoff. Your, your thoughts, Josh? Oh, I need to mention it because this is a, a myth that people keep mentioning. Roger Goodell in the, showed the tapes to the media before they were destroyed. It's a fact. Uh, Bob Glober of Newsday will tell you himself he saw the tapes, and he wrote specifically that he couldn't believe what everyone was freaking out about because what he saw on the tape was nothing, nothing to complain about or nothing to get too worked up about. And it's a fact. People always forget to mention that the media did see the tapes. No, so, they saw the tape that he allowed them to see. Okay, he did yeah, not show they, them the tapes. Yep, but he they showed saw, them the they tape. saw tapes. They saw they, the that allowed them to see, which is why he destroyed everything, because he knew that somebody in the office would eventually leak this information. Now, there was some execs who were no longer in the office that have leaked extra information in regards to actually what went on during that time span and the complaints that were filed by other teams, including testimony by Patriots players that actually implicated Belichick. Okay, well, you're, uh, you're wrong, because I'm reading the article from Newsday. Bob Glover said the NFL... Many articles to this. Okay, and here is where your where your other issue comes with this thing with Brady. And as I as I'm about to point out to to you both of you now, who is the face of the NFL? Who is the current face of the NFL? And has been the face of the NFL for the last few years. Hmm. You, we all know who it is. Say it. Who is it? Well, we're going to go ahead and say the Golden Boy is, without a doubt. So the man who brings in the most revenue in the NFL is Tom Brady. The man who is is the, yes, the golden boy, the guy who is the clean guy, like Derek Jeter of the New York Yankees. If Derek and Jeter had done something wrong, do you think Major League Baseball actually wanted to take him down? Do you think that's, that was a good objective for Major League Baseball, to take down Derek Jeter? Um, I'm sure that they would have probably tried to figure out some way to reduce the punishment or do something behind closed doors that would have been better for their um, bottom line, I think. Right. It's the same thing with Brady. The way this fell... First of all, the Patriots, when they claim that this was a sting operation, they're 100% accurate. 
The Patriots claim early in this investigation that they weren't warned about it, that they came after them. That's, they're, they're right. That's not a lie. Why? why? Why did Roger Goodell feel so pressured to go after Tom Brady and the Patriots for deflating footballs in the AFC Championship game when the league knew that he was doing this for years, knew he got the rule changed, knew other quarterbacks were doing it? Why did they pick that moment to do it? Mm, Tell good me. point there. Okay, here's why. It's not that game, and it wasn't the Colts who really first brought to light the good all was going on. It's the game before. The Ravens game pissed off 31 different owners in the NFL. Why? Because it's that spirit of the rule type of violation. All right. A lot of the owners felt that we all know what the tackle-eligible rule is in the NFL and what it's been for years. And the spirit of that rule when it was put into place was to, was to allow teams to occasionally have the offensive linemen be able to catch a pass. It was to add a little flavor, to add a little trick. And what people don't know about rules in the NFL is this. We read a rule in a rule book, correct, if we've all done research on that. When the NFL makes a rule or amends a rule, they send letters to every single team. And it's not just the rule in those letters. They explain to the teams why they're making this change, the effect they want it to have, the object of the rule, the spirit of the rule, and what they're trying to accomplish. And for decades, teams have known the object of those formations was not to deceive defenses that way, that it was meant to, hey, we can put a tackle in or a guard in, and it's kind of a fun moment. Like when you saw William Perry rush for a touchdown, or you saw Mike Vrabel catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's an exciting moment. It's a different little bit of flavor. What they did in the Ravens game, the league was furious over. And the league knew that they found a loophole in the rule that they actually wrote in the book, not what they actually sent to the teams on paper, and knew they circumvented the rule. And 31 owners were infuriated with it. They asked Goodall to go after them for this. Goodall said, well, technically they can get away with it. Now, what had happened earlier in the season is the Minnesota Vikings had actually violated that rule on a two-point conversion much earlier in the year. The league sent out letters reminding the teams about the spirit of the rule of formations. Most of the owners, and I happen to agree with them on this, believe that that the Patriots totally violated the spirit of the rule, that they know that Belichick did it, and that pretty much it was Belichick sticking his middle finger up in the league's face. And they reacted to it. And it was the Ravens who led the charge, not the Colts. All right. And they, that deflation thing with the football, they said, how can we get them? They knew that he was doing it. They went after him. They believed that Bill Belichick was going to have a connection to Deflategate. Personally, I think Belichick knew everything that was going on. But they can't pin it on them right now they don't have that's why i believe the phone was destroyed that that would have shown that brady and belichick had talked about this in the past that's why he wouldn't give up that information but they wanted to get rid of belichick not tom brady that that's who they were going after it's one of those things that they ended up with brady falling into their lap so they took the second the second guy you know and you know what is it is it fair what they did um probably not but I also think when you start to complain about teams saying, hey, look, we didn't get a warning on this, well, if you're going to cheat, why should you get a warning? Exactly. I mean, what the hell? Oh, not cheat. We'll be watching you. We'll you know, it's just it's, it's not an easy thing to understand with the NFL. But I'm telling you, this was because of the Ravens game. And, and I will say this personally. If they didn't run those formations in the Ravens game, they would have lost that game. They were getting honestly, dominated in, in that game. Those formations turned that game around. 
And, well, you, and, could, you, know what? you could say that, saying, but I still believe that Baltimore's stupidity cost them that game also. Why the hell is Flacco throwing bombs when you're at the 35-yard line with a minute and 30 left? Use the clock up, walk down the field, get their ass out of here. And well, no, it, is that a stupid play call? Hey, look, it is. I, there was no reason they were moving the ball, but you have to, you know, in a hole in that game, it is what it is. And as I said, there, there are a lot of – People out in the industry right now that know that's the real meaning behind the flake gate. You know, when you push the envelope too much, it's not Tom Brady, by the way. Tom Brady's being persecuted for something he really shouldn't be persecuted for. And I'm saying it on, right now. And, I, you know, to me, I'm one of the few people on this planet who, when Tom Brady was drafted, actually predicted he was going to become a Hall of Fame quarterback. And there aren't a lot of people that can say that. Okay, and look... He's a, he's, generally, he's a good guy. He's in a tough situation. Uh, if he ever implicated his coach in this, his coach would be banned for life. You, I mean, I mean this. He would be banned for life. He signed that paperwork stating, if I, if I cheat again, you can ban me for life. It puts him in a bad spot. Yeah, it does, man. Well, we'll get Josh's rebuttal on this real quick um, after our updates here with Z. What's going on in those late games over there, Z? <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Toronto and Texas was final, 12-4, to Toronto won. The uh, Chicago Cubs and Giants are still tied 2-2. Two to two. Go, go and, good. And uh, Cardinals took a 3-1 to one lead, and they just ended the eighth inning. Well, that's pretty much what's going on in our late games tonight. I'm hoping Chicago can help the Dodgers extend to a three-and-a-half game lead. But that's neither here nor that's neither here nor there. I mean, there's been a lot of good baseball. So I know you're a little tired there, Z. Thank you for being a trooper tonight. Go on and get you some rest, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Good night, man. All right. We're back here with the NGSCWestRecess.com. And if you ever want to um, check us out on our page, you can, watch, you can see, go to NGSCSports.com, look under show pages. We have pages for me and Josh now here at the NGSC West Recess. And if you're, if you're in a Patriot kind of mood, you can check out him and Shaq Krosky over there for the Flying Elvis Faithful, that new thing that they got going on. And they've hit the ground running pretty well there. So, Josh, speaking of the Patriots, how do you feel about what Sam Mann has said so far about the whole Brady-Belichick thing? Um, I don't even know where to begin, but what I'll, I'll just keep it short. Uh, the Ravens absolutely deny everything Sam said. <laughs> they deny it. They deny that they did anything to turn New England. In fact, that's their statement. They deny it completely. So I don't know what the Ravens' actual role in this is. He, Sand obviously seems to think a lot more than the Ravens actually think. So, And as far as Spygate, which we were debating earlier, I read a little bit further into what this guy had to say, and, and he said he saw eight tapes. So eight tapes were seen, and he said one of the tapes he saw a, a cheerleader's backside for most of the films. So <laughs> that's what he saw in the tape. So anyways, I, my comment would be to Sand is, what is your what is your opinion to the fact that the Ravens deny what everything they deny turning New England in completely? Deny. Well, they're lying, Josh, and I think you could believe that they're lying. Okay, you saw their reaction after that game. Okay, Harbaugh went nuts about that situation. The owner went nuts about that situation. Okay, and then all of a sudden they're saying, "Oh, we had nothing to do with it." You know, actions speak louder than words. Their responses will tell you. They don't want to be the team. Nobody wants to actually be known as the team to to 
to blow up another team for something because it makes you look like crybabies. It does. We all know that. You know, and, it, and then you've got to deal with the media coming after you with that. You know, the Ravens, you know what, they should, have, they should have owned up to what they did, but teams don't always do it. All right? I mean, people, people think that Mangini was the first person to ever report on the Patriots in regards to Spygate. Not true at all. Not even close. They were about the 12th team to file a complaint. And the only reason why Mangini even did it was the, the year prior, Mangini had told Belichick that, obviously, I know what you're doing. I worked on your staff. If you do it to the Jets, he goes, do whatever you want. He goes, but if you do it when you're doing it against my team, I'm going to turn you in. He warned him about it, and then eventually he did it. And, uh, actually, you know, that is what, that's what goes on. The first team that they said that ever complained about this was actually the Pittsburgh Steelers, who complained about it after the, after the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. They believed that the Patriots had all their plays. They were the first team to ever actually complain to the league about this, not the Jets. So, you know, that was, that's sometimes when you don't get all your information because at the time of what happened with Mangini. The Ravens, no doubt, stirred up this storm. No doubt. And they can deny it all they want. But we saw the after-game interviews. Were they not furious? Yes, the Steelers were very furious. I recall that game um, like it was yesterday. They were very upset. Yep. And I told you that the NFL does this to themselves, by the way. So you don't have to you know, necessarily always hold you know, Belichick for what he did there. He saw that there was a little loophole, and he used it. No one at the league didn't want it being done. Well, the NFL needs to do a better job of tightening up their rules. The NFL needs to do a better job of making sure that teams understand that if you're going to play around with this stuff, we're going to slam you. And that goes for any team, whether it's the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets. I can go down the list. The NFL has some culpability here. They leave these little loopholes. I mean, that, you think as a Raider fan, the tuck rule. We all know that was a fumble, but they leave a little loophole and allow an official to basically call something that they never called before. Why does it exist like that? The Des Bryant catch thing last year, a rule that's confusing. has two different rules to it. You know, make rules normal. What did they do, by the way, with those formation rules right after the season ended? They fixed it. They fixed it and made it illegal immediately because their intention was never to allow that, and the teams know it. You know, so the NFL has a responsibility there, I think. I believe that. If you're you're going to make a rule, make sure it's, it's tight that it's iron tight so teams can't play around with the rule. Well, you make a lot of good points here, Sam, and you are right about that. I mean, there should be no gray area. But we're actually kind of coming up against it here. So I want to say thank you um, tonight, Sam. You you did a really good job. And you and Josh, I mean, you guys were really on it tonight. So I'd like to thank you. And you know you're welcome any time on the show, man. You did a great job. Thank you. I appreciate being on the show, you and Josh. You, you, you do an excellent job. And, hey, look, we're not always going to agree, but I enjoy being on <laughs> here to debate things with you. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, it makes for good radio, I say. My bad, Josh. Go ahead. No, it was good having Sand on. Hey, before we got a couple minutes, uh, Sand, you're a Yankee fan. What's going on with the Yankees? Real quick. Um, I, You know what? They're, they're not hitting like they were, obviously. So that's a big problem. Uh, you know, I, do I think they'll go back into a good, good, good stretch run? Yes, I do. But they're going to have to turn it around pretty soon if they want to want to win this division. I mean, they're not. It's two games, so you get seven games left with Toronto. But I think there's, I think there's some issues with the offense right now. A little bit of injuries are hurting them. And honestly, I don't think they're necessarily guided by the best manager. I really don't. 
Hey, well, that makes for a pretty interesting September, I'd say, Sand. And thank you, and have yourself a great evening. And Crosstalk is going to be a little bit different tonight. I mean, we're kind of running a little late here. So what we're going to do here is, I mean, all of our, my listeners in the box, what I'm going to do is instead of opening up the lines, I'm just going to have you ask a question here in this box, and Josh and I will be able we'll try to answer it the best for you that we can. So I'm going to give, I'm gonna open this up for about two minutes here. Go. Keep it clean. Have fun. Go. Oh, anybody out there? <laughs> Everyone ain't nobody playing. out there. Anything else on your mind, Sam? No, I mean, it, was, it was a great show. Uh, you know, it was a pleasure for me to come on. I think you, I do really think you two do a wonderful job. And uh, definitely, definitely come back again. And uh, you guys cover a lot of topics in an hour. It's not easy to do. It really isn't. And you guys got to keep doing it. Keep doing it the way you're doing it because, you know, you have something good here. Well, yeah, well, it. I'm glad you appreciate it, Sam. We put on for the fans every week, man. So we we try to do it for you guys. And was there somebody out there? Uh, one more chance. One more chance out here, people. Did you, you got anything you wanted to add to the show here? It's your time. It's your time. Going once, going twice, sold. All right. <laughs> and this was another great um, hour-long voyage, Josh. Wouldn't you say? Did you have a great time tonight? Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, I I always enjoy the show. Um, the one thing I <laughs> – it's a little bit late, but that's the one thing I would say is a negative. But that's okay. We're, we're shooting for California listeners, so uh, that's cool. Um, hey, quick, uh, Raiders, who are they playing this week in preseason? I don't have the schedule up. Uh, we got Arizona Sunday night on NBC. Got the national so what are you, game. What are you looking for for the Raiders to do? Well, I'm looking for Oakland to continue to pound that rock with Latavius Murray, try to improve the passing game a little bit, get Michael Crabtree a little bit more involved because he didn't have a single catch Saturday night. So we got to shore that up a little bit more. And try to use those tight ends a little more. Clive Walford, Michael Rivera, if you can get your tight ends going, it's going to really open up things. So if Oakland can do these things, they could be successful. And I would love to see Jelly Ellis and Khalil Mack actually come together and get after Carson Palmer a few times and show that this defense can make some plays. And this is pretty much a big make-or-break game for D.J. Hayden. I think if he can't help Oakland on Sunday, Sunday night, he can't help Oakland this season. And if he can't help the Raiders this season, he can't help them in the future. So this is a very big game for him also playing that corner position. So that's what I look for as far as the Raiders go. Carolina, New England, what you got? I'm looking for that mess of a secondary that New England has right now. Losing Daryl Roberts, the guy that was looking like he was going to be a starter, is out. So it's it's bad. Uh, that's what I want to see, the secondary, uh, what what kind of situation we're going to have. Devin McCourty is really not happy about the fact that he might be playing corner for New England this year. So we'll, we'll see. Well, it's going to be interesting. We'll watch these games, and we'll be back here Wednesday night, and we'll talk about them. And we've got our good friend Freejack scheduled to be on here next week. He'll talk more about Dallas, and we'll be pretty close to getting ready for that season there. And tune in September 9th for our season opening preview. It'll be a day before New England opens their title defense against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we'll have some good stuff there. We'll have some previews. We'll have some predictions for the season, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So tune in for that, and check us out next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock for another exciting episode of the NGSC West Recess. And you can check me out with Jim Paskowitz Friday nights at 9.30 Eastern on the NGSC for the Black Hole Brigade, where we bring you a little bit more Raider science and tell you what's going on. We'll preview Arizona-Oakland, and we'll review Oakland-Minnesota. And Saturday mornings, 
Say you can't sleep, you're an insomniac, or you're having breakfast by your computer. Why not stop by the NGSC at 10 Eastern and take a look at the Flying Elvis Faithful with Shaq Krosky and our aforementioned Josh Matson? Those guys, they bring it down. They give you all the Patriot science you need, and I'm sure they'll have a lot to say about what happens with New England and Carolina. So be sure to check that out. And this was another great episode of the NGSC West Recess. For myself, Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome, and for my main man, Josh Matson. thank you, Sandman. We'll see you all next Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific. Make a date. See you Wednesday night. Raider Rome, gone. Good night. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.